755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic with Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. Eric, what's happening, man? How you doing? I'm good. Enjoying the summer. How you doing, Dave? Good. It is, as you can imagine, hot and humid yeah, here in Atlanta. And we've got a ton of rain this this summer, so it's like all my shrubs, bushes, everything is like on steroids. I mean, it's out of control. Yeah, that's how I know I'm getting old is when I'm happy it rains, so I don't have to go water the yard and plants. Too much here, though. It's like the opposite because you can't avoid like doing the shrubs and everything, you know. And, and I don't want to pay anybody to do them because I'm dumb cheap. Anyway, <laughs> uh, on the baseball front, we're surviving. Knock on wood. Braves still playing. You know, if it wasn't for the Marlins, and of all the teams that you also thought would screw up, the Marlins you figured would, you know, with all the young guys. The Cardinals are not the team that I would think would screw this thing up, but they have done their best, haven't they? Yeah, they and then the Indians. Four games. The four Indians games. thing got out of hand, too. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, they sent Clevenger home, man. and uh, No, he flew home with the team. I flew home. Okay, he went out with Zach uh, Plesak. Yeah. Dan Plesak's kid. Yep. Yeah, that, and then yeah, that, Plesak got, got caught on a, some kind of camera or something. Clevenger was, I guess, went out with him and, and didn't tell uh, anybody and flew home with the team. <laughs> wow. That's the kind of stuff, man, that – I mean, you knew that was going to happen, but that's – you're just really trying to avoid that. Dude, they have played four games. I mean, I, I, I don't know how they're going to make them all up. They, they're going to be – Tongues hanging to the ground if they actually play all these doubleheaders. Them and the Cardinals both. Well, I mean, the the good news is you're only playing a small group of teams, so you're gonna have you're gonna have the same team in your schedule. And and doing the seven inning doubleheaders is, I mean, that was that was crucial. Yes, it was still weird though when the Braves played that one the other day. <laughs> it is weird, man. I just I was they were making bullpen moves and stuff, and yeah. I'm watching the game unfold. I completely forgot it was a seven yeah. inning game because I'd never seen it. And then it was all of a sudden Melanson's in, or did you bring your closer in, you bring your setup guy, and the yep. game's over. It's like, whoa. Yeah, you know. Freed goes five innings, and it's like, you know, under normal circumstances, like, eh, five innings, not great. But five into seven, it's like going seven, you know? I mean, yep. you turn it over to the bullpen. Yeah. But, uh, That's the only way I, they're going to get through it, you know, the seven-inning doubleheaders. There's one, uh, what is it, the Cardinals, I think, play the Phillies. They play them seven times in five days. <laughs> How about that? How sick are you going to be of seeing that other team? You know, you get tired of them. Just a four-game series, yeah. you get sick of that team, especially you know coming out of the pen or or I think it's usually you know facing the same relievers and stuff because you're not going to face the same starters. Right. right. But you get sick of the team or or like yeah. playing them with just a three-game series in the middle and then they're already back in town. Yeah. Yeah. That many games in that short of time. I mean, you're, you're going to know each other for sure, but. Yeah, the That's Braves the only way to do be, it. Brace got to be sick of playing the Mets already, man. Yeah. So the Braves have have avoided any more COVID problems since the initial thing, which you know, I, I'm surprised, but they have really been diligent about this stuff. You know, they got they are uh, they have enough leadership in that clubhouse and enough respect for guys like Duvall and Wash. And, and they're doing it. The young guys are all doing it. They're, and they want to play. You know, they know they see what's happening with the Cardinals and they don't want to be in that boat. So somebody's in their ear, you know, Freddie and, and now Nick's back and Marcelo Zuna. You know, they got, you know, a Latin leader, uh, leader type for the young Latin guys too. 
And that's where Ozuna's been huge, by the way. We, we need to get to that subject. But he's been really big with having a leader for the Latin guys, kind of the way Prado used to be for, you know, Latin guys and everybody. But the Latin guys really haven't had a veteran around for a while, you know. Julio was with the pitchers, but not, yeah. you know, the position guys. And he's he really is somebody they look up to and plays with the same kind of youthful energy that he they does. do. So, he, he looks like himself, too. I mean, you know, I know he struggled addition. last year, but – Looking at the highlights, he looks like the player I remember from from the uh-huh. Marlins when he was there. Um, man, he's been hand, he's been swinging that it. guy. How fast his hands are! It's God. crazy, and how big he is, and the bat yeah. speed he has. I mean, he was he was really intimidating, and I'm sure he's having that that same effect. But he was really intimidating to have on, you know, on deck circle or come up to the plate. Like you just knew, you know, a guy with that quick of hands and that powerful, you had to make good pitches. And I mean, he's been doing good, man. It's been a pleasant surprise. I asked Freddie about him, what kind of the key to him, because, you know, the feet move and all that. It's a funky swing, and he's all over the place. But Freddie said, yeah, but he keeps that bat in the zone longer than anybody yeah. he's seen. I mean, it just it stays in the zone, and he just explodes through the ball. You know, it's almost like he throws the bat at it, but he keeps it on that level plane. Well, really- it's another thing, too. You know, like if you have a guy that's, you know, say six foot, 175, 180, he might need his legs a lot more than right. just, uh, you know, as soon as built like a bear, <laughs> you know, if he, if he, he just hits bear. it with his hands, you know, yeah. it's he's so strong. He doesn't have to be perfect with his mechanics and all that other stuff. And you're seeing it, you know, like the ball he hit off Edwin Diaz, 99 on the corner uh-huh. going opposite field. I mean, he's just so strong. It doesn't matter. And then there's Ronald Acuna, who's just a freak. His home runs, his home <laughs> runs he hit. I really want to appreciate him, but it, it sucks that every time you see balls hit like that, you have to question if it's even, you know, if it's a juice ball because it doesn't seem possible to <laughs> hit doesn't. a fastball. It middle, I mean, the, the fastball, the first one he hit just looked like a pop-up, but the yep. second one was destroyed. And it was it was a fastball middle in or middle, and he, he let it get so deep and then just flipped it out to right field. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing I don't like about wondering if the balls are juices. I want to appreciate how great that swing was just in entirety. I don't want any questions about it. But but nobody else is hitting them like that. So There's know. been some opposite field home runs in the last series. Yeah. That, you know, a few of them. But Freddie's got opposite field power. But He does. Yeah. I mean, the guy that the guy that decides to just hit opposite homers in the opposite field homers in the home run derby, you know, he's <laughs> he's different. He's different for sure. But those were those were incredible home runs. He's like his boy, man, Miggy, his countryman. Yeah. Like a smaller Miggy. But he's only going to get stronger and bigger. I mean, he's so oh, young. I know. I know. He's going to not – he'll stop running as much. You know, he'll become like a like a trout maybe, you know, or maybe a maybe more than that, maybe a 20 stolen base guy instead of 40. Yeah. But, man, the home runs, I think this he could be a 40 home hit run more. guy. He could be consistent 40 to 50 home run guy, I think, like a, like a trout. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I mean, I think he's going to be, and you, you know, you pretty much called it. He's going to have a, at some point he's going to have a three or four game stretch where he hits five homers and he's got three yeah. of them already. Yeah. Uh, speaking of trout, you see he's on pace for 25 homers in this 60 game season. And that's despite leaving the first baby's birth. <laughs> it's I'm telling you that, you know, you get a chance to watch that guy. Oh. He's the best player I've ever seen. Yeah. He's, he's been on more than usual this year. On the late night, you know, because they're yeah. showing. And I've watched several of his games this year. And he's 
He's just phenomenal. He really is. He, you don't want to miss his at bats. I'm no. sure it's like what other people think when they're watching the Braves when when they're on. You know, watching Acuna's at bats. I see him all the time, so I'm kind of get you know used to it. But Trout's like that with me. I don't want to to walk away when I know he's coming up. When I see he's like next inning, I go, "Is he going to come next inning?" Got to make sure I'm sitting there when he comes up. Yeah, and you know who else has been going off is Tatis Junior. Oh man. He's Ooh. um I think he's only they were saying it yesterday. He's played in like a hundred big league games or something. He's already hit 30 homers. Yeah, he's phenomenal. He's I, I I he's right there with to me with Acuna and Soto. He's right there. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know that I can put Soto ahead of him. Uh maybe I'm just biased because I see Acuna all the time. Because yeah. I wouldn't take anybody ahead of Acuna just on what right. he does in the field too and the way he runs. But Tatis, I could see that an argument made for him. Too, and know? he's doing it at shortstop, and he's good at shortstop. Yes. He's got a cannon, yeah. good range. Cannon. Has has fun. They're all alike, too. They have great personalities, man. A lot of energy. Love it. Love that's these all, young guys. That's all Trout's missing, really. It's a little more <laughs> a little more yeah. flair. You know, it, not for me. I don't need it, but I think to if right. if he just did, if he grew like a stupid haircut and started pipping some homers, I think he'd be, I guess, more um But you know, I like that he appreciates it. Yeah. He loves these young guys. Like he said, Acuna was his favorite player to watch. Yeah. So it's not like he he's against it. It's just not his personality. It's not him. But he likes it. Yeah, he doesn't but have a problem with it. He just doesn't do it. But he's got a pretty cool haircut too, though. That short kind of almost marine cut, but he's got a little stuff going on top of it. It's, he just, <laughs> I think it looks awkward. I'm not a fan of it. But with man with the padding and stuff he wears, my God, he looks like a linebacker. He does. I mean, I would can't imagine facing that guy coming in the box as big as he is, and he's all padded up and shit. You're like, okay, what am I going to do to this guy? Man, I told you, you know? I, I've thrown him one pitch. <laughs> I faced him. I threw him one pitch. I threw him a sinker. It was probably three, four inches off the plate and three or four inches below the zone. You know, something that nobody had even hit in the air off me at that point in my career. And he hit it off the wall in right center in Oakland where the ball doesn't fly. I mean, that was all I needed to see. <laughs> oh man. Who had the exit Velo one fourteen for the Braves a couple of days ago? Uh, there was a home run one fourteen. Somebody had a double. It was Duvall, that double off in the corner. Yeah. I thought he'd knock the wall down with that hit. Duvall can hit the ball hard. Yeah. He's been, he's been swinging pretty decent too. He, he really has. Yeah. Riley, not so much, but Duvall, he has. Anyway, let's get to that stuff. Um, I want to go – there were eight pitchers, basically, that we thought entering spring training had the chance to either be in the rotation. We knew the six that were you know going to fight for the five spots, the two fighting for the fifth spot. We knew those six, and then the other two were right, and Tukey were the leading guys to make spot starts this this uh, this summer, and with some other guys too. But those were the eight, basically. So here's where those eight guys are right now, Eric. Soroka. I'll go in order of pretty much what we thought they would be. Soroka, out for the year after tearing his Achilles. Free, pitching great. Meeting or exceeding expectations. Moved up to the ace role with Soroka done for the years. The is like 1-5 something. Hamels. He's already had two arm injuries. Hasn't pitched in so much as a sim game. He's on the 45-day IL with the tendonitis just triceps and the Braves hope to have him at some point after the first week of September when he's eligible to come off. He has been cleared. He's going to throw on the mound, but again, he has not even faced hitters thrown in a sim game yet. So it's a good chance. It could be mid September before he comes back one year, $18 million deal. 
faulty, DFA'd, cleared waivers, outrighted to Gwinnett with a 16-20 ERA after one start, gave up three homers. He's not throwing off the mound yet at Gwinnett since he went down. They've had him long tossing, trying to rebuild arm strength, while also presumably eating a lot and taking supplements to regain the weight that he inexplicably lost and the muscle mass that he lost, which they think will contribute to He hasn't even thrown off the mound yet? No. That's what I was surprised. I asked Snit. I said, you know, he said he's in his throwing program. He asked, what do you mean by, you know, where is he in your throwing program? He said, no, he's just long tossing right now. They're just having a brief arm strength. So he's not off the mound yet. So he's not an option to come up anytime soon. Uh, Felix Hernandez opted out at the beginning of summer camp after having a promising spring uh, spring training. Newcomb, option to Gwinnett after last night's game with an 11.20 ERA after four starts. Gave up uh, – well, it was terrible last night. Got four outs. Give up uh, eight runs, and I don't know if we're going to see him in a starting role again with the Braves. If he comes back, when he comes back, I think he will come back this year. It'll be in a relief role after somebody else gets sent down or hurt. Cal Wright has a six seven five ERA. He's in the rotation now. Makes his next start Friday at Miami. Tuki Toussaint has a six zero eight ERA. He's in the rotation right now, but he made impressive strides in his last start. You saw what all the fuss is about with him. That breaking ball is terrific. So that he is a big plus right now. We'll see if he can continue that in his next start. But that's where we are. Have you ever seen anything? Have you been on a team that's had quite that much disarray in the rotation for what the planned rotation was? Uh, yeah, not a team that was competing, though. Yeah, right. Because you, know, you always would have like a Javi Vasquez or, you know, you'd have your ace or two and then you'd have a couple veteran guys that, you just knew what you were getting out of them. They might not be lights out, but you could bank on at least every other start, something quality out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, this many this many guys that you're just unsure what you're getting. Um, mm-hmm. No, not really, not on a team that was competing. And, and they're doing well. You know, the, the team itself right. is doing really well. The offense has been huge, obviously, and, and the bullpen has been bullpen. unbelievable. Um, I mean. So they're in a position to weather the storm, but at some point you got to have some guys step up and, and just give you consistent starts. Just think if they didn't have the best bullpen they've had in a long time, the deepest bullpen. Could be in, there's no way they'd be yeah. doing this. What they're they're able to cover, they're able to take a guy like Nukem out in the second inning, you know, yeah, and not burn through their good relievers, you know, or or guys coming out after three or four and considering a pretty good outing like Tukey, you know. Well, yeah, and the be depth happy. of it too, you know, having so many good relievers too. I mean, right? Yeah, it's it's you don't have to use them three days in a row. The good ones and burn them out. Without a good bullpen, you could be, you know, third or fourth place right now. Right. Between the bullpen and the offense, which while some nights it's just tons of strikeouts and no runs, for the most part. It's been good. It's been pretty explosive. I mean, the, yeah. the average is pretty is way up there because they've had some big games too. So they And they've overcome some bad outings by the starters. Eric, before we move on, let's hear from one of our partners in the Chino. So last night, Sean Newcomb, he, Eric, as you know, he had yearned to return to the starting rotation. He was thrilled when the Braves uh, acceded to it and let him have the chance to make to, to, to win a spot this year. Go spring training as legitimate contender for a rotation spot, and he won one. Fits really well in spring training, or well enough to have one of those spots, especially after, uh, after Cole Hamels got hurt. So 
he gets a second chance. He says all the right things, how he's jacked up and how he uh, he's excited about it and how he learned from being in the bullpen last year, how he's going to take that aggressiveness to a starting role and just attack hitters, not worry about, you know, two, three innings down the road, just go this inning by inning. Said all the right things, but then when it came to doing it, he fell on his face again, Eric. I mean, he had a chance, especially with all the injuries that we just outlined. He, it was going to take a lot to get him out of this rotation. He's out of this rotation now. That's how bad he's been. They don't have any obvious options, and they still sent him down. They sent him to, to, to Gwinnett last night, optioned him after the game. He, was, he gave up eight runs in an inning and a third last night and a 13-8 loss to Philly. Braves were down 13-1 until they scored seven runs against Philly's pathetic bullpen in the ninth inning. He was immediately dropping the active roster option to the alternate side at Gwinnett. His ERA is 11-2-0 after four starts. And basically his performance forced the Braves to make the move. I mean, they got, they're going to have to go with a prospect or an opener. And, I mean, they, they don't want to. They wanted to give him a shot, but they can't keep running him out there doing this. It's getting worse, not better. Yeah, well, you, you need him, you know. Um, and that's the hard part about it. I think that's why he went down to – instead of just shoving him in the bullpen right away, you know. Right. You you have questions in your rotation you're trying to answer, and obviously they've given him every shot this year, but he just hasn't delivered. Um, I mean, I've seen him. You know, if you ask Bryce Harper, if you ask Bryce Harper where he sets up the tee when he gets in the batting cage, yeah, it, that's where Nuke put that three one pitch to him yesterday. <laughs> you know, and you just you're not getting away with that. And yeah. obviously that's not I'm not ripping on him. That's not where he's right. trying to put it. But you know, in those big situations. 3-1, runners on first and third. I mean, the, the franchise player, you know, their, their guy up at the plate, and you throw a 3-1 fastball just slightly middle away, slightly above the knees. I mean, that's his dream pitch. And, I mean, he did what he's supposed to do. You just don't get away with those. Um, and that, that's kind of what I've seen is when he needs to make a pitch, he, he hasn't made it. And, and sometimes that's all the difference. You know, if he gets a double play right there, yeah, it could turn into a good start. But throwing 3-1 – right. Right down the middle to Harper. I mean, you, you just you're not getting away with it. And then once you give up that big blow, sometimes it just kind of steamrolls. But I mean, they've given him every shot. It's just it's yeah. time to do something else. You know, you can't keep rolling him out there pitching like that. And you know, the thing is, the schedule this year hurts him because he's facing a lot of these teams multiple times that have yep. already seen him in the past. Yeah. Harper, for instance, saw him so many times with the Nats. That was Harper's third home run in his tenth at bat against Nuke. And he's walked him seven times and struck him out once. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, a guy just has your number. Yeah, and it, like he did with Tehran. <laughs> yeah, it sucks when they're in your division. You got to keep yeah. seeing them, you know, because that's the type of thing that can. Tehran. Yeah, Harper. I mean, especially JT threw at him that one time. I think kind of yeah. poked the bear a little bit. But, yeah, you know, it's it, it's tough seeing guys that much. And, and a lot of teams are going to deal with that this year. But, again, I mean, you know. It doesn't matter how many times you've seen Harper. If it's the first time he's ever seen you or the 40th, if you throw that pitch, I mean, that's that's his dream pitch right there. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, it's it's tough because you can't you can't go 3-1 breaking ball right there and risk walking him and loading the bases, but you also can't throw the fastball there. I mean, pitching's not easy, but, yeah. you know, he's it's it's not working. I don't know. You know, his stuff's there. Every I, I still see his stuff, and the ball explodes out of his hand. He's got the curveball, but you got to pitch too. Eric, what would you give right now to be able to for, for somebody to go? Okay, Eric, 
with your mentality right now, oh everything you know about pitching, we're going to give you Sh- Sean Newcomb stuff and let you go out and pitch. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do with it. I wouldn't know what to do with it. I'd probably get drunk every night and just take it easy and still deal. <laughs> you know, it's, but it's, it's, that's just kind of where you meet in the middle. You know, when you, when you come into the game, yeah. you got all this stuff and, and that slowly fades away as your right. mentality climbs. And you normally, by the time you're 27, 28, you've, you've kind of, put that whole package together where you still got pretty damn good stuff and, and you really know how to pitch. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, I, th- I think honestly, I think at this point you got to kind of shit can the idea of having him as a starter for a while. And uh-huh. they just, the other side of it though, is you don't really need him in the pen. You got, you got three yeah, pretty good exactly. lefties in the pen right now. So of all the years, any yeah. other year you would, any other year with his stuff, you throw him right back in the pen and give him a pat on the back and just tell him just to, just go chuck the ball and have fun, but and, and maybe you'd do it now if you didn't have guy. There's you would. like there's only one spot in there really. You'd even say he might be better than right now is Robbie Earl and the new guy. But when you pick up a guy, you run him out there and he gives up three home runs like he did last night. But he's out of options. You don't just pick up a guy and give up on him one start after a really thrust him into a really weird situation last night. You know when Newcomb got blown up. So. That, and that's the only guy in that bullpen that you would even say, you, you know, displace him for Nuke. And Nuke has options. So you're going to go down if you have options. Yeah. And maybe, you know, maybe keep him stretched out and see if he could figure some things out, you know, get to the bottom of it down there. Um, but I, I don't think they're going to be in a hurry to, to put him back in the rotation. It's funny. You were talking about that meet in the middle stuff, like we had start out with all the stuff and then you develop mentality as your stuff kind of fades. Then you have those guys that are able to do it for like that five-year period where they have both. Yep. And they Verlander, Garrett yep. Cole, Kershaw when he was at his peak, you know, when they still but, got the stuff. Felix you know, Hernandez. Even, if you looked at Verlander for those few years where his shoulder was bothering him, yeah. you know, he had the mentality and he was still getting torched because the stuff yeah. wasn't there. But he's found a way to kind of get a lot of that stuff back and, and do different workouts. But you know, it's not a question of stuff with Nuke. It's just a matter of making pitches. And right. every time he needed to make a pitch yesterday, you know, it just it didn't wind up in a good spot. Snit said the message to him afterwards: "Go back down and work." Yeah. Uh, he's 27. It's his fourth MLB season. It's um, going to make too much money probably for the Brad. I don't. Who knows if he'll get tendered or what? But. He's still got many nights when he just looks lost despite that considerable talent and stuff you talked about. Nuke, uh, Snit said he'll go back to the alternate site and keep throwing. We're going to need him before this thing's over with, whether it'll be starting, relieving, or whatever. But he just got to go back and keep pitching. And yeah, and that's you know, that's kind of what you got to got to do when you go down there too. Is you, you can't be thinking about. I think a lot of time. I think he's feeling the pressure, obviously, of being in the rotation, and he wants to keep that spot and maybe putting too much pressure on himself, but. You kind of just got to go back to square one and just focus on getting out, not worry what your role is going to be, and just just you know make pitches and figure out what's going on and, and figure out why you're failing. And mm-hmm. sometimes going down to AAA is a chance to do that, you know, or satellite camp, whatever you want to call yeah, it, right now. Right, right. it's the equivalent of AAA. Yeah, it's it's just a chance to to pitch without pressure. And mm-hmm. if if you go three one and walk a dude, but you're trying to make the pitch you're supposed to, and you just miss or something, maybe you learn from it. But yeah, he's just got to take a step back and just regroup right now. Bryce Harper hit that three-run number, by the way, before Nuke recorded his first out last night. Yeah. It was, that was a bad start. Coming off that that day, a Sunday that could not have gone better for the Braves in that doubleheader sweep. Uh, yeah. 
before he got done, second inning solo homer from Roman Quinn on a 93-mile-an-hour fastball that Newcomb left right over the middle of the plate. Uh, first of the season for Quinn. That guy's got seven homers and 350 career plate appearances. So, you know, not like a big power guy there. Faced four more batters without retiring any of them. And then Robbie Erlin comes in. His first pitch as a Brave, Didi Gregorius hits for a grand slam. <laughs> that sucks. I'm hanging curveball. <laughs> Didi Gregorius, I think I saw, has six grand slams. He has a knack for it. Wow. But That's even like, to uh, be, Ozzie. you know, Ozzy's got several too. And Freddie still didn't have his first one. Even like, obviously, it wasn't a good breaking ball that, that he threw him. You know, it was kind of a hanger, first pitch, get me over. But, yeah. you know, and the big leagues guys will sit on that pitch. Right. Or they're, right. or they're just, they're good enough just to see a ball up there and react. Um, yeah, that's, you know, it's a tough spot to come into bottom two. You know, you're not really expecting as a reliever, you're not mm-hmm. expecting to be hot, but, you know, Nukes had some rough starts. So you can't really let them off the hook for coming in there, but, you know, making your debut with a team coming in, yeah. you figure you're going to get ahead with the breaking ball and then make some pitches and first pitch grand slam, man, that sucks. <laughs> tough break. <laughs> God, really? Um, uh, the Braves trailed 13 to 1 before a seven run ninth inning. They had home runs in the ninth by Camargo and Raleigh. Now, if there was a bright spot for the entire day, it was that ninth inning. Uh, they split the four game series, bust up to New York afterwards. Yes, they bust. And they'll play a two game series Tuesday, Wednesday against the Yankees. That ninth inning, though, Snit said afterwards he hopes Camargo and Riley can use that as kind of jumpstart because both of them have struggled. The th- two third basemen that were coming in, that had both of them were they were arguably the two best players the Braves had at spring training. And it has not carried over to the regular season for either one of those guys. Yeah, Riley's I mean, shown power, but when he's not hitting it out, it's, it's been a struggle. And you talk about that all the time in spring training. You know, everybody says that spring training stats really don't matter. Yeah. And, you know, the, when I was with Seattle, we used to have Willie Bloomquist hit 450 every spring training because he knew he was getting fastballs, and he wasn't trying to do too much. He'd just slap them over second yeah. base and make the team. Um, and that's what Riley was hitting in, in spring training. But he's yeah. hit a couple slotters during the season. But. Hangers. He's hit the hangers. You know, right, the mistakes, right. middle in, the bad sliders, he's destroying them, which is good. But, yeah, he's he's going to have to put it together soon too. Just wrap it up on a Newcomb after giving up uh, three hits and two walks, but only one run and three and a third innings of his debut in that opening series at uh, New York against Mets. His last three starts, he's allowed 17 hits, four homers, and 16 runs in 10 and a third innings. Three starts. <laughs> he's sitting there saying, everybody told me to be aggressive. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm throwing strikes. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a fine line sometimes. You, know, you can't throw it right down the middle, but, it, you know, he's – for me, it's it's just a matter when I see him standing on the mound, he looks stressed. You know, they they zoom yeah, in on his. I know it's exactly what you're talking about, man. They zoom in on his face, and you know, before he makes it, you could just see the wheels turning. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on up top, um, and you know, some guys are just better suited for the pen. And I've been, I've been talking about Nuke like he should be John Lester for a year now, and right. and I still believe it stuff wise. But you know, if you can't if you can't shut down those those demons that are floating around your head when you're about to throw a pitch and i just i see it man when they zoom in on his face he just he looks stressed yeah um you know it's the game speeds up on guys and if you're putting too much pressure on yourself you know it's really hard to overcome but yeah man i'm gonna have to say i've I've been wrong on that so far 
you know, 60 game season, they only gave Fulton one start plus that exhibition game. Cause there was just no reason. Snit said, there's no reason to keep going. We still in 89, you know, uh, nuke was still throwing mid nineties. So they, they gave him a little longer leash, but nevertheless, it was only four starts now in a one sixty two game season. Probably would have stuck with him a little longer given yeah. that the lack of options they have, but you can't do that in a 60 game season. You know, uh, I mean, the Marlins obviously are a fluky thing, but they're still sitting up there with that winning percentage. You know, <laughs> I mean, you just can't afford to let guys get, let this get away from you in a 60 game season. No, there's just, there's just a different sense of urgency. And you almost, you almost have to look at it. Like if a guy was still struggling in August, right? Cause it is right. August, you know, and, and there's only the same amount faster. of games. Past the, the quarter, yeah, it's like forty games. Past forty games now. Yeah, you have to look at it kind of an accelerated timetable where it's you know you're you're quarter of the way through, you're halfway through, you get to these points, uh-huh. and if the guy's still struggling at that point, it'd be no big deal to make the move. It, it's just all happening faster this year. Yeah, you're almost a third of the way actually, almost two months in. Yeah, so you look uh, at it if it was June one and he's still mm-hmm. having rough starts, that's when you you typically make that move in May or June where you say, all right, it's time to do something different. It's not working, and that's kind of what they're doing. Snit said, "It's frustrating for him too, I'm sure, but we'll just we'll just keep working with him, and he'll get another opportunity." Uh, he's 27. He's made 57 career starts and has a 16 and 20 record and 4.38 ERA in the, as a starter. With, and I thought I thought this was kind of indicative here of the difference. He's got 285 strikeouts and 153 walks in 292 innings as a starter. Okay, so that's less than two to one strikeouts to walks. As a reliever in 52 games, that was almost all last year except for one, one appearance. Uh, as a reliever, he has a 3.00 ERA. The strikeouts to walks ratio, he's got 58 strikeouts and 20 walks. So it's almost three to one as a reliever in 54 innings. So more than a strikeout an inning as a, as a reliever. And, and, and like I said, almost three to one rather than less than two to one. So – Take uh, you, you know better than I. What is what does that mean? You know, why is he walking so many more guys as a starter? I think it's just less time to think. Yeah, and, you know, like like I said, when they when right. they zoom in on his face before he throws a pitch, sometimes I mean, I can just see the wheels turning. You know, as a reliever, you don't even know when you're going to pitch. Um, mm-hmm. I'd have you know, I'd have a ton of anxiety when I was sitting down in the pen. A lot of days, I wouldn't want to pitch. I just please, you know, whatever has to happen with this lineup to avoid me today. You know, because you'd have right. so much stress down in the pen and stuff and you never knew if you're going to pitch or not and then the bell would ring and you just snap into a different mode and you just go you know there's no turning back I mean it was one of my favorite moments just seeing that with myself how a, a flip uh, switch would just flip and all of a sudden I'd just be in game mode I'd be in go mode but having the whole day knowing you're going to pitch um, it can be a situation where you can have that tendency to overthink it and and get too stressed and, and get too worked up mentally and then that moment finally comes um and you've already kind of lost. But as a reliever, you just get chucked into this this situation. A lot of times there's runners on base. You don't have time to mess up. Um, it's just, it's not about you. You know, you, you're coming in and it's just, this is what the team needs me to do. I'm going to do my best to do it. And it's done. And it happens fast where, you know, as a starter, they got they got four days to think about their start. They got the whole game day to prepare for it. You know, it, it can just get out of hand. And, and that's why some mindsets just work better out of the pen. You know, yeah, yeah. just get thrown out there and just start chucking it's better for a lot of guys and it might work better for his mindset. And people think it's, you know, that it's just kind of a, a stereotype or a cliche, but it's true. I mean, if you think about the best starters, you're sure there's exceptions on both sides. I mean, Smolty, uh, Smolty was, fuck, was terrific in both roles, but 
if you think about, you know, your guys like your Greg Maddox or your Kershaw's or your or anybody, Zach Grinke or Verlander, you know, for the most part, these are these come across as pretty cerebral guys that, you know, there's some depth to them when you talk to the conversations and they're, you know, and then you talk about some of the the best relievers and they 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 simplify it. Now it's different. Yeah, Mariano Rivera obviously was different than, you know, it's not some big lunkhead out there. And and I'm not saying that you could just throw any idiot out there to be a reliever, but like you just said, it's more about aggressive and, and, you know, not, uh, not thinking an inning or two ahead and, and trying to uh, outsmart hitters and set them up for later at bats and, you know, mixing so many different pitches and all that. It's just so much, it's just a whole different mindset, isn't it? Yeah. But, and everybody's different, you know, everybody yeah. performs differently. You know, it's, for me, I used to have this moment where I would realize I was pitching in a big league game. And I'd, uh-huh. I'd, I, it was almost when I was good, I was just completely unconscious. It didn't matter if there were fans or not. I was just so locked into the plate. But I'd have this moment, you know, a lot of times I'd be jogging in from the bullpen and it hit me and I'd be like, holy shit, I'm jogging, <laughs> you know, like, the, and it'd get overwhelming for a second. And, uh-huh. or it happened, it happened in the middle of a big situation where all of a sudden I'd, I'd become completely aware of the surroundings, like the 50,000 people yelling. Uh, the game on the line, the dude at the plate, you know, you've seen all his highlights and I'd have to just get on the mound as soon as, pa- as soon as possible, whatever, whatever uh-huh. sign they put down, just chuck it as hard as I could to get out of my head. You know, I didn't have, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't think, um, yeah. I was always better, um, just kind of dumbing it down. Um, and I, you know, I think that just happens, you know, as if you're stressed or if you're anxious on the mound, you just don't move freely. You know, you, 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 you might have like stiffer movements or, 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 trying too hard um and then you wind up just yanking a ball or leaving it middle um it works so much better for me to just never think you know as soon as i thought i was in trouble but if i just grabbed the ball and chucked it i mean you've practiced the motion however many thousands of times memory the muscle memory it's all there you just have to throw the ball Mm -hmm. but when you take that time and think and that's what i'm saying even as a starter you know there's so much time to analyze it and go over everything um, it, it's just, you can get into a state of just being overwhelmed on the mound. And that's, that's why out of the pen, you know, I was a starter in the minors and I was terrible. I'd have like the mm-hmm. first good inning and then I'd sit down and stand back up and, and take an inning off and go back out there pretty soon by the third or fourth, I was just mentally exhausted. They put me in the wow. pen, took off. I was in the big leagues two years later. Um, it's just a different mindset. Everybody's mind works different. Everybody functions better in different, you know, atmospheres or, or roles and, you know, maybe the pens for him for now. How about, uh, by the way, just out of the corner of my eye, I got I got MLB Network on, and, I, and I'm watching highlights of Dustin May. How about Oof. this guy, man? It's 90 insane. 99-mile-an-hour sinkers? It's Jesus. insane. It's insane. That's, reminds, I was watching that guy pitch last night, and, yeah, you know, a lot of people criticize the way the game's being played right now. The hitters are trying to hit homers, and the stuff that the hitters are up against, I mean, it's yeah. – it's kind of you know it's hard to it's hard to to say these guys are all striking out too much when Dustin May what is Dustin May right yeah uh, he's throwing 99 with with a sink and an 87 oh. mile an hour curveball I saw an overlay that pitching ninja dude put up yeah the ball started right down the middle and then they ended <laughs> six feet apart yeah <laughs> you know his his sinker wound up under the right uh, handed hitter's knee pretty much if- and his slider was a foot off the plate, and they started oh. in the same spot. I mean, you can't blame hitters for striking out sometimes. If you people are not following the Pitching Ninja, you should do that right now. Go to the yeah. Twitter and follow Pitching Ninja because he is terrific, man. 
some of the stuff he does, those overlays, they're so educational, man. Well, it Love gives it. you a good feel for yeah. like one of my favorite, one of the favorite things that people say is how could you swing at that? Right. And when you watch the overlays, right. you can see that if, it, if it was the pitch they were looking for, it would have been right where they swung. <laughs> yeah. And then it wasn't the pitch they were looking for and they right. swung missed by three feet. And that's what um, Austin Riley ran into so much trouble last year on those yeah. balls that started out strikes, looking like strikes. <laughs> yep. Well, and that's what it means when you say caught in between, you know, uh -huh. is, is you're not really sure what you're looking for. And you see those two balls wind up four feet apart that look the same. And he's swinging right in the middle of both of them. You know, he's he's thinking maybe it's a slider and then it turns out to be a fastball. Um, and now some, with, with the tools you guys have, the pitchers have. They're so good at it. Oh, the tunneling. That dr with driveline, with all the super slow-mo and how they slow everything down and you can, you know, shape your pitch, as they say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and you can like you can play it so that it, you know, leaves your hand at the same trajectory. Because, uh -huh. um, you know, if, if you drop your arm on your breaking ball and it comes out at a different angle, the hitter sees it. But when it comes out at the same angle and trajectory as your fastball and it gets deep and then it breaks, the hitters are – they're pretty helpless against stuff like that. And every single pitcher is learning how to cater – um, their stuff to you know exactly what trajectory the ball leaves their hand at it's uh I, I don't blame hitters for being overwhelmed for sure i think that's why the the balls are going to stay a little little juiced great hitters are great hitters regardless right uh so the great hitters from the 50s that were the best hitters then if they came along now they you know and grew up in the same environment they'd probably be the best hitters now or a lot of them but i wonder how tony gwynn even Ted Williams, I wonder how they'd fare against the stuff that's being thrown out. Because they'd still be great hitters, obviously, the best hitters in the game probably. But the strikeouts, there's no way they'd be as low as they were when Tony Gwynn, that Tony Gwynn had. I just don't believe they would with the stuff they're facing now. They could because the zone's smaller. You know, the zone's smaller than what they were there facing. That, but yeah. that, that's an argument I hate because it's, – It's hard. You're right to compare errors. It's hard to compare, but I, I don't like the argument because you're taking a guy that was the best at his craft. Yeah. You know, he could only Maybe get as ever. good – Yeah, you're, he could only get as good as the pitchers right. he's facing. And I, I think all those elite hitters from any era, it, yeah. they're just elite competitors. They're elite uh, yeah. just baseball players, and, and they make the adjustments to – You can't oh, yeah. get, You can't learn to hit 106 till you hit 106. Right. If, they, if they grew up in this environment, you're right. I think they'd, Ty I Cobb, think they'd be just as good. Tony Gwynn, they'd still be the best hitters. Yeah, or even people looking at Babe Ruth's swing and, and and criticizing Babe Ruth's swing. It's like this dude was the best. Right. You don't think he could he, would he could adjust shape, his swing, you know. Been in better shape for today. Been in better shape, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, get Babe Ruth the drive line, get him squatting and stuff, see how far he's oh in the ball. Oh my god. Can you imagine <laughs> if he was like a chiseled two forty instead of fat? No, no, he might. I mean, yeah, it's 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 just impossible to compare because you you can't yeah. you know you can't practice hitting what you have to have a different swing now than those guys had back in the day. Yeah. And people say their swing wouldn't play. They're not giving them any credit for being able to adjust their swing. Yeah, that's true. Being, I, being I an fall. elite competitor, I'm guilty of that at times too. Yeah, and it's hard because of the race thing too. I mean, there's no doubt that they did not face the athletes that face today just because it was an integrated game then. Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard to compare. It's impossible. You can't dismiss what those guys did just because, you know, all they could do is compete against the guys that, that were out there to compete against. Right. That yeah. they were permitted to compete against. Well, even um, if, you know, what, what happens to Newcomb if you give him three inches off the plate? What happens to his walks yeah. and strikeouts and all that stuff? No, you know, man, yeah. I mean, it's, it's harder to pitch now, too, because you got to come in that right. box.
Listeners, producer Cam here. It is time to elevate your full-body grooming game with Manscaped. And guess what? They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. And inside the Perfect Package 3.0 kit, there is a lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations around your manscaping routine. And guess what? You'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver inside the Perfect Package. And it is an anti-chafing undercarriage deodorant and moisturizer because guess what? We all know how painful chafing can be. Subscribe to the Perfect Package to get a new blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. You heard that right. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the promo code THEATHLETIC20, all one word, and that's two zero for the 20. And... For limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag at $39 value and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Brief. So, once again, go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC20. Snit was asked if he thought Newcomb was better suited to the pen, and he's now, and he said, as of right now, probably, yeah, just from what yeah. I've witnessed the last couple of years. He said he had a really good year a couple of years ago. Remember, this is a guy that came within an a strike of throwing a no hitter against the Dodgers. Yeah. That was just, that was the year that was the day chipper was inducted into the hall of fame. Newcomb did that no hitter against the Dodgers came within one out. Yeah. I mean, the um, stuff's there. <laughs> he said he had a really good year a couple of years ago, but it's been inconsistent since then. We put him in the pen last year and he did a pretty good job out of the pen. It's a young, strong arm. I still think he can be a productive major league pitcher in some capacity. The bullpen, Atlanta's pen, we talked about it, is one of the best, deepest in the NL, no doubt. And he, the Braves didn't have a spot for him there because he doesn't have minor league options. Others like Erland, or he did have minor league options, and others like and Robbie Erland came in last night and gave up three home runs in his first Braves appearance. He did not have options. So um, they could send him down. They can bring him back later, and I'm sure they will with all the COVID and injuries and everything else. So, uh just as when Fulte got dropped two weeks ago and Soroka got hurt last week, the question right now for the Braves is, you know, because they're they've overcome this stuff so far because they've got really good offense and a terrific bullpen. What can they do, do to improve this depleted rotation, though? Because they've had progress until Nuke. They had progress from Wright and especially from Tukey in the starts yeah. immediately after Soroka got hurt. And Freed was terrific the next night. But Freed is just having a great year. So that's not surprising. But they're going to have to – they got to get somebody to start Wednesday. The doubleheader threw it off right. It's going to start Friday after the day off. He's going to start Friday, Miami. They got to get somebody to start Wednesday. and might go with an opener at Yankee Stadium. And then they're going to have to have somebody fill in Nuke's next start on Saturday. And they're going to probably go down to the minors and bring up – just talking to Snet last night. It was the first time that he's indicated they're ready or they're yeah. seriously considering dipping down and bringing up one of the top prospects that we've talked about so much. The one that makes the most sense to me, I mean, they could do Bryce Wilson. Maybe they'll do him Wednesday in New York. You know, he's a guy that's pitched some with mediocre results, but good stuff. Had some flashes, had some some spots, but he's got a little bit of experience at least. He won't be overwhelmed. But I think Saturday to fill in for Nuke, I think they might go with Tucker Davidson, who's – really pitched well last year and triple a and is on the 40 man roster. Now left-hander 
pitched a lot better than uh, Ian Anderson, who's their number one pitching prospect, who's not on the 40. And when Ian got called at the AAA last year, he did not do well. But this guy, Tucker Davidson, did. Pitched really well there. So he makes a lot of sense to me to bring up is that if they go with a prospect, if they don't make a trade, you know, between now and then, and, and really not many people are getting dealt at all, not any good ones. Well, you just got to keep trying guys out until somebody yeah. grabs the roll and runs with it. You know, I think yeah. that's what's the hardest part about it is even Tukey having a good start. That's great. But, mm-hmm. you know, until until he has like four or five good starts in a row or four out of five that are pretty decent, you, that's a question mark too, right. you know, and, and that's no the hard part. There's so many question marks, but the teams, you know, you can't keep throwing the same guy out there and expecting a different result or, or waiting yeah. on him to – to figure it out in this short of a season, but I think they just keep trying guys and, you know, Nuke was a prospect too. Tukey was a prospect too. So it's exciting yeah. to call up the new prospect, but you don't know what you're getting out of those guys either. It's no, it's tough, man. It's a tough spot. The team's in, but yeah, I think uh, also because of the shortened season, but also, you know, the pen is so good and the offense is so good that I think this year they do not want to get send the signal that Newcomb can just keep going out there and struggling and Fulton could keep going out there and struggling. And you guys are going to be standing on your, you know, on your heels, the defense out in the field and being dispirited because this is an offense that if you keep them in the game, they can come back against anybody anytime, but you don't want to get, let them get down 10 runs, you know, or seven well, yeah. runs. Or I mean, even yesterday, if that. it was just, if you were down five, you're in the game. Right. Right. Cause this offense can do it in the bullpen. They're going to keep it close. They have the amazing stat is they have not lost a game this year when a Braves reliever entered with a lead. Not one game. I think I sent you, I saw a great stat today. Um, Yeah, I got that one. I wrote that one down. It was, it was talking about Jason Stark had it. Yeah, Stark had it. But it was basically saying the Phillies bullpen when they were leading had a 10 6 ERA. (laughs) Yeah. Which is seven runs they gave up in the ninth inning last night. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of tough because you're not throwing your best guys out there when you're up ten, right? But the Braves, but regardless, the Braves bullpen when leading has a point yeah. five six ERA, and that's that's, that's what matters the most. And that, that's insane. That yeah, two earned runs and thirty two innings pitched is insane. And I think that's a great stat too because, like it you is. said, you're not you're not throwing your best guys out there when, like last night, Erlen comes in. Well, yeah. if the Braves weren't down, you he's know, not coming in. He's not coming in. And their best guys, the guys they're counting on, have all been good. Yeah. And when you're leading, you throw, you know, you throw your big dogs out there. So it, it gives you confidence that if you're if you're winning the game, you're gonna hold on to it. And they have been. Uh Nukem, all that's left from the November 2015 trade that sent our guy, Angelton Simmons, to the Angels. Of course, that was a previous regime, so there's not gonna be any kind of loyalty or or worry about having an egg on your face by whatever no. you do with Newcomb. This front office doesn't give a shit about who, you know, what they gave up. I mean, it's not their fault. No, but you still got a lefty throwing ninety five with a yeah. great breaking ball that you want to figure it out. You know, you got that riding on him. And the but Angels yeah, have the best defensive shortstop in baseball. <laughs> yeah, he's hurt though. He's not playing. No, and he does get dinged up. He gets hurt. Does get dinged up. He plays hard. And yeah, he, gets he plays hard. They uh, so now you got Bryce Wilson the options. He's got five major league starts. Like I said, uh, you got Tucker Davidson, Ian Anderson, Patrick Weigel. Those are options. And if you want to dip down to minors and bring up a guy, which I think they're going to do, uh, I think uh, Alex is looking. Alex and Davis is looking everywhere for a trade. I just don't think it's going to happen yet. But I think it could by the end of the month when we get near the trade deadline, because some teams are going to have to, you know, 
cut bait if they're going to uh, have to decide whether they're going for it this year. Uh, guys on expiring contracts, are they going to get nothing for them? A um, couple of guys become uh, get 10 and 5 rights so after the season, so they're going to have to think about that too. There's a couple of guys in that spot. Like the Giants, for instance, with Cueto, if they try to trade him, he's got over $20 million salary next year. They're going to have to obviously eat some of that to get rid of him, I think. But He's a guy that could help the Braves. The guy I think – the guy that I keep going back to, got a year left on his deal, Lance Lynn. He's having a great year with the Rangers. They're pretty bad. You know, they've shown some signs lately of maybe doing a little better. But if they're out of it at the end of the month, you got to wonder, will they trade him? I know they'd trade uh, the former Brave, but he's struggled with the Rangers. Minor. Minor has struggled. I think he's hurt. But Lynn's having a great year. And if you could get him, he's only making like ten million next year, which for a guy like him is, you know, that's kind of like what Tebron was making. Yeah, and you, you know, this you're seeing more now than ever why teams pay for that consistency. Sure, you know, even the the starter that throws two hundred innings with a four ERA right now, it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't get the people excited. But it's it's nice yeah. to have, you know, even if you had that t- today coming up or tomorrow versus relying on a prospect, you have no clue what you're going to get. They could dominate or or be terrible or somewhere in the middle. Um, but, your bullpen on. Yeah, but it's it's got to be a team, and that's I think that's what makes the trade deadline hard. There's not enough time for teams to really yeah. be completely out of it with 16 teams yeah, going in. Exactly. 16 teams going in and a bunch of teams that have only played like one-third the games that other teams have played. It's <laughs> yeah. just really weird, man. And even if you're a team that's supposedly rebuilding, you know, like say Seattle, and you're playing decent, are you going to give something up when you could sneak into the playoffs this year? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's they're not. I mean, they're they're probably not going to be in it. But you know, you got a lot of teams that are kind of in that middle ground that would normally be a lot more willing to give it up. That say, shit. You know, you look at it. There's only been such a short amount of time to to distance yourself from the teams behind you. A team could be five games back or four games back at, with you know a month left. You don't want to just throw in the towel. You know, at that point. No, and you you know. You could sell a playoff appearance to you know your fans for next year. We got into playoffs to your kids. You know your 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 young guys. Hey, we made playoffs, man. Next year we take another step. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's a really good uh, if you're building up a team. I mean, that's a really good experience for the guys to have too, and get them a taste of it, and and just to give your fan base that. You know, yeah. I know that's it doesn't seem like that big a priority sometimes for for the teams that are rebuilding, but if you got a chance to sneak in and have some playoff baseball for your city to watch, I mean, that's huge. As opposed to telling your city, yeah, we know we could have made it in, but we, yeah. we don't think we could have advanced deep, so therefore we're giving up and waving the white flag. That's a tough. I don't know right how there. that sells. It does though. That you know, some it. teams are getting better at selling it, but the rebuilding shit, yeah, tanking, yeah, yeah. I, well, even you know, the Mariners tough. tore their whole organization down two years ago because they didn't think they could get past the Astros. They they were saying, you know, we right. tore it yeah, down because we don't think we can win a World Series with this team. They were pretty good. You know, they missed the playoffs a couple of years in a row, just barely. And then they just traded everybody and said, we got to build a World Series champion. I think that's a tough sell. I mean, I think a lot of teams, you know, just one playoff series is so much fun. Yeah, especially in some markets, that's not a good sell at all. Seattle hasn't been there since 01. Man, wow. Like, just get in. Give, give your fans something to, to watch. And the Braves haven't won a playoff series since 01. Yeah. <laughs> Been in it a lot, though. Which is hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah. Hard to believe. Not even a wild card game. Too soon Too soon to mention the wild card game. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I was in that 2012 one. Still uh, 
speaking of that bullpen, you mentioned the stat. Um, they had before before Erland gave up the four runs and three homers and two and two thirds Monday. They had the fifth best bullpen ERA in the majors, the NL's third best, two point six one. And if you dismiss the Cardinals, who had only played four games, Atlanta's bullpen ERA was second in the NL and fourth in the majors before last night. Um, the uh, the stat you mentioned that is a really good one. It's uh, Jason Stark had it today. Braves relievers, 0-5-6 ERA, two earned runs in 32 innings when ha- when they have a lead. Mark Melanson, the closer. That's all you that's all you care about right there, honestly. Yeah. I mean, keeping games close is huge too, you know, when you're down one or two. But I mean that that's what this team's done a really good job of doing is winning the games they're supposed to win, and then they've snuck in a few that that they weren't mm-hmm. supposed to win too. Mark Melanson, 12 and a third uh inning scoreless streak. People might not realize that because he gets a lot of every time he gives up a hit or a walk, people act like the ends the world's coming apart on him, and it's not. I mean, it got he, he didn't he doesn't flinch, you know. When a guy gets on base, he just keeps going. He's got a twelve and a thirteen scoreless streak. It's actually the second longest active streak in the majors, believe it or not. Uh Phil, as you mentioned it, ten point six six ERA when pitching with a lead, including seven run runs or seven runs in the ninth inning Monday. After Aaron Nola, by the way, eight innings last night, one run, two hits, one walk, ten strikeouts. He was dealing. Yeah. I think he started off a little slow too. He's one of those guys that had time to figure it out. Uh huh. Maybe Nick an injury Pavetta or two. Is the one that came in and recorded one out in the ninth inning, gave up six runs, six hits, including the Camargo homer, and then Trevor Kelly replaced Pavetta and gave up a towering homer to Austin Riley, which Riley needed it. Those two guys. Uh, let's see. They after like I said, they've, they they played so well in spring training. Even after last night's homers, Riley's hitting 167 with a 639 OPS. Camargo's hitting 182 with a 614 OPS. Oi. Hmm. Those are the two guys that, you know, you were counting on. One to really – one or both to kind of, you know, assert themselves at third base. And instead, now you go, can, can we go with both these guys all year at third base? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's – one of them's going to have to step up. You know, it's – it's a different game in the season, man. Putting numbers up in spring training is one yeah. thing, but I really, I mean, I saw some swings out of Riley early on, driving the ball to right center. I thought yeah. even the exact flies and stuff, but he's still right. putting good swings on the ball. He no hit doubt. that ball in New York that was, they said 460 or something. It's 500 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's, you need one of them getting it done, man. It's It's got to be frustrating for him. Playing good defense, but yeah, the bat is lagging. Uh, one position where the Braves rank near the top of the majors, and this might also surprise some people, catcher. And that's even though Flowers and Darno both missed the opening five-game trip because they were sick. Darno hit his second homer. Travis Darno hit his second homer Monday night. He's bitten, he's hitting 400 with an 1140 OPS and 32 plate appearances. Flowers, who takes so much heat on social media, he's hitting 308 with one homer, 500 OBP. 500 and a 115, 1,115 OPS, only 18 plate appearances, but between the two of them. And also when William Contreras was up the prospect, he had four hits and 10 at-bats. And even Alex Jackson had a couple of hits and seven at-bats. So they've gotten big-time offense from their catchers, man. Yeah, and they're they're calling good games, obviously, too. Yes. I've, I was watching Flowers 
uh, I can't remember what game it was, but just he stole. I, I watched him. I probably watched like two or three innings where he stole probably five strikes. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, you're not really you got him back. That's the reason you got him back there. But anytime he's hitting on top of that, I mean, it's it's just an added bonus. You knew Darno could hit though. He's always yeah. been able to hit. Mm-hmm. And he had a big year last year. Big yeah. year after he went to Tampa. He had a. Uh, I think he had a, he had a three homer game last year at Yankee Stadium. By the way. Yeah, they were Yankee Stadium homers. So I think two of them were opposite field, yep. like first row, but still counts. See what he does when he goes back. Some big homers. I think he's had some other big games there too. Uh, let's see the Braves. We mentioned the doubleheader sweep Sunday was about as good a day as they've had in a lo- in quite a while. It was everything you wanted to see, including a good start from Max Fried, who went five, grinded a little more than usual, but was was great. But it was Ronald Acuna and Freddie Freeman's day, man. I mean, they completely eliminated any concerns about their sluggish starts to the season. <laughs> Even though, you know, yes, last week when we had Moylo on here, Peter Moylan, you and Moylan and me all agreed we had zero concerns about Acuna. And it went without saying we had no concerns about Freddie, who had missed most of the summer camp due to COVID-19. He'd only played five exhibition and inter-squad games before jumping into the regular season. But those guys were, on Sunday, they played like stars, man. That's who they are. And, you know, I mean, that's who they're going to be. It's the hardest thing to do because it's such a short season is, is to not overanalyze this stuff, but the team's only played 18 games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you take an 18-game spurt any other time of a 162-game year, they they have they have a little ruts like that all the time. It's it's always blown up when you start the season like that. But then you look at, you know, they both got an OPS close to 900 after a yep. good doubleheader. That's all it took. Yeah, and really, the, you know, like Acuna, for instance, his struggles were only eight games, you know, in July. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's been great in August. For, yeah. Uh, so Freddie had three hits in each game in the doubleheader, including a double, triple, and homer in the nightcap. So he was a single shy of the cycle in the nightcap. <laughs> and it was a seven-inning game. There was one where nine innings, playing nine innings, he might, he might well have hit for the cycle, man. <laughs> yeah, you get that extra at bat. Hey, I can't get over the, the homers Acuna hit. Yeah, he still took a backseat to Acuna, who had yeah. three homers in the doubleheader, including two stunning oppo, Just, <laughs> opposite field homers in that nightcap. His opposite field power, its <laughs> I haven't seen, especially for his size. You know, it's its yeah. one thing when Miguel Cabrera does it because he's yes. 260 pounds or however big he is. Mm-hmm. But when Acuna does it, man, it, like the first one looked like a pop-up and it just keeps going. And the second really one was just did. torched. It just the swing doesn't make sense to me sometimes how deep he lets the ball get and then takes it that way. You just you know you you expect only a big dude with brute strength to be able to do that and yeah whatever he does with his hips and and, and yeah. fires that barrel man it just jumps off his bat. It's yeah, Sight, I, yeah, Sites was talking about how he explodes with those hips man yeah. and then the and then the hands the wrists you know Hank Aaron there. Yeah, it's it's fun to watch and there's more of that coming. You know we're not worried about him. Yeah, you were laughing last year with this home run derby. It stood stupid. out so much. So stupid. No guys hit opposite field homers in home run derby, and he did. <laughs> he was living in right center field in the home run derby. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like he's more comfortable hitting them that way. Yeah, but like I've Freddie, never seen, man. How many? I mean, I've probably seen uh, to that point. I've probably seen like three balls hit the other way in the home run derby of all time. And he goes out and hits twenty five to right center, <laughs> and he was hitting them down the right field line too. And he was hitting foul homers, just foul down the right yeah. field line. I mean, that, that he, for me, when I saw that out of him, I was like, this dude's just – he's on another level. That one round was the best round of that home run derby, even though he didn't yep. win it. 
Yep. Acuna became the first Braves player with three homers and a doubleheader since David Justice, August 7th, 1990. Although, should be noted, I was there, and I think you were on the team in Milwaukee when Matt Kemp hit three in one game, right? April 29, 2017. Weren't you there? Yep, I was there for that. Three homers in one game. And his were his were opposite field too, but Matt Kemp's a big-ass dude. He's a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> when he, Matt Kemp, man, before for the injuries and everything, he was arguably the best player in the game for a year or two when he should have won MVP that year. Should have won MVP. Yeah. He was, but he's another guy that he would hit those balls at, at Dodger Stadium before the ball was juiced, and the ball yeah. didn't fly at Dodger Stadium. He was yeah. he was hitting them right center, and he'd hit a low inside pitch. Um, just guys that can do that, man, it just amazes me to to be able to get your bat into a position to have that much power the other way. Yeah, that's why every time Acuna does it, I mean, I don't get tired of seeing it. Every time he does it, I'm I'm kind of shocked, but man, it's a thing of beauty. He's 22 years old, Acuna is, and he's already homered in both ends of a doubleheader twice in his career. And he's got four multi-homer games now. He's 22. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's that's one of the things that sucks about this this season getting yeah. cut short because, yeah. you know, like you've, you've said in the past, if, if he's got a chance to go 40-40. He's got to do it in the next few years. Yeah. And – who knows what he could do this year in a in a 162 game season and it's going to be all completely just messed up but even if he hits 20 this year what did you say Trout's on pace for he's on pace for 25 but that's because he's hit like what five or six in the last week yeah last five games yeah it's insane <laughs> I think Acuna's got a chance to go 40 40 up through like age 25 and maybe yeah. maybe threaten 50 50 but that's I think the ball last year had something to do with that. We'll see. But it's going to be tough to steal 50 bases. And it's just – there's a reason it's never been done. Never. Well, it's harder, too, to steal 50 when you're hitting them out of the park. Exactly. <laughs> you, know, you don't get that chance. You don't hit those singles. You don't get a chance to steal a base. He's in a good spot, I guess, to uh, to uh, steal 50, though, as opposed to hitting, you know, third or yeah. fourth, even fourth. But – I don't know. Uh, let's see. So after hitting 152 with a 455 OPS in eight July games, he had three walks, 17 strikeouts, and only two extra base hits, no homers in July. That's Acuna. In August, 10 August games, he's hit 364 with a 1306 OPS, seven extra base hits, including four homers, nine ribbies, eight walks, eight strikeouts. He's just completely turned it around. He's saying he's going to be all right. I think it's going to be a fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the best young player I've ever seen, I think he's going to be fine. <laughs> He'll bounce back from a rough little 10-game stretch. By the way, you're talking about opposite field. Since he debuted April 25th, 2018, he's got 19 opposite field home runs. That's eighth most in the majors. It's pretty good when you think about all the hitters in both leagues. Yeah, that's, veterans. It's, it's so much harder to pitch to. Mm-hmm. You know, the hardest guys to pitch to are the guys that, that can take your fastball up you know, opposite field. And if you hang a breaking ball, they pull it. The guys that are just dead pull, you know, if if you make right. that pitch down and away, if, uh-huh. if you make a quality pitch down and away, they're dead pull. They roll over it all the time. Uh, a guy like Acuna that can take a fastball middle in opposite field down away opposite field, take your breaking ball out. You know, you it's, he's just, he's so damn good. It's almost like you just have to hope he's off that day. And that's, that sucks to try to pitch to because it's almost like it's out of your hands at that point. So yeah, as a pitcher, who would you, who were, who are some guys like that 
that it's a whole different dynamic that as a fan, they just see the raw numbers and they probably just think they're all the same. You know, every 40 home run hitters, the same or whatever, but who are some of the guys like you're talking to when you step into the box, you're like, I cannot make a mistake in or out with this guy uh, that's on the plate at all, because he can go the other way with it with power. Uh, Brian Zimmerman was that way. Joey Votto's that way. Uh, Miguel Cabrera. Um, it, Todd Helton was kind of like that lefty lefty. There's, there's some, th- those type of guys though, you know, it, I always almost did better against them because it, it's, it's one of those things where you can't, you almost know you can't make a mistake at all and you kick it into another gear as a pitcher. Uh-huh. But uh, those guys, man, when they step in the box and you, and even, even if you're, even if you're in a two Oh count, you know, and for most hitters, if you make a really good pitch, if you get that fastball down the way and burn them because they're trying to do damage, you know, they might roll over it. You might get an out. But a dude that chooses to go opposite field in the home run derby, you have no idea what he's going to do, you know, right, what he's right. looking for, what he's trying to do in those situations. It makes it so much harder to pitch to. But I think, you know, if I was going to compare um, minus the size, I'd, I'd compare Acuna's swing a lot to to what um, Miguel Cabrera does. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. I think you're right. Cause he can even hit, he hits, you'll see him sometimes hit a breaking ball out top of the field and barely anybody does that. And then you see him, you know, up close. And I think people, a lot of people, you know, like, like people are surprised how big trout is. I think a lot of people, when they see Acuna up close, are probably be surprised how normal looking he is. You know, he he's just look, not, he's just an athletic, on TV. You know, he's just an athletic guy, but he's not, uh, Nothing about him really stands out, you know, that you look close and you see he's got his strong hands and wrists, you know, but he, he's only going to get stronger. He's going to develop those hitters forearms and that, that quickness that he has in the, in the wrist and the hands like Ozzy, those hands are just lightning. Yeah. And then the hips, you know, you can turn the hips and explode or you can't. I mean, I don't th- know that that's something you can really develop. <laughs> it's well, just, I, no. And that's, that's something given. It's just, you know, the way your hips are set and the way your core yeah. and everything kind of rotates and functions isn't something, you know, you could try to change that. You can work on it. But a dude with elite hips just has elite hips. You know, yeah. his ability to fire those things and square his belt buckle up to the pitcher and, uh-huh. and leave his hands behind. Like he drags his hands so late, but they're so fast he can wait so long. That's why he can go the opposite field. Uh-huh. But, th- yeah, you can't teach. And, that you know, that's where his power is. It's, it's He just has explosive hips and quick hands. Um, you, you, it's not something you can teach. And I think that's why everybody's so in awe of him. You know, it's not something that he right. necessarily just worked his ass off for. It's, it's just a God given ability that he has that, you know, it's just, you don't see it very often. It's just fun to watch when it comes around. In a way it's more fun and, uh, fascinating to watch than it is to see some huge guy get yes. up there. Like Chris and Davis. Just, yeah. And he's just massive, you know, uh, and, and, and pounds balls, but he, you know, strikes out a ton. He's a dead pull hitter. In a way, it's it's more interesting to watch a guy like Acuna get up there. You know, and you go, where is that power coming from? Or Ozzy? You know, especially Ozzy. He gets up there. He's like five foot six, five foot you, seven. You watch you Ozzy see, though, and he's just electric the way he moves. And he's yeah. you see him. I mean, he's ripped. He's shredded. Dude, I mean, he's not you a see big him guy, but a shirt. He is he's shredded. Jacked. Yeah. So, it, you know, it makes more sense when he does it. But, yeah, Acuna, yeah. He, I mean, he looks like a normal guy, and then you see him move. He gets that bat in his hand, and it's it's on a different level. And then you see him, like, on a basketball court. He doesn't even play basketball. And he's out there <laughs> dunking like he's, you know, like he plays hoops all the time. That might have been the thing that that <laughs> just sold me on him the most was I watched him, that video that popped up on, on the Internet of him playing 
some kind of yeah all star basketball tournament. Yeah, they just invited him out, and he's just dunking in this game. But the thing that caught me off guard the most is he didn't even when he went to jump. He was at a dead sprint toward the hoop, and (laughs) he went to jump. He didn't even angle his hips. Normally, like a power jumper, they'll they'll turn their hips at like a forty five degree angle. And, and and when they when they jump off at two feet, he just jumped with both feet pointed directly at the hoop and yeah. just jumped straight up and dunked it like a little kid. You know, <laughs> those type of things, you see those out of guys. I yeah. used to I remember seeing, you know, Johnny threw that pitch, Johnny Venters threw that pitch nobody'd ever seen, that ninety six would sink just falling off a table. And I went and shot hoops with Johnny one time and he didn't even warm up and he just started dunking. And I just, no you know, shit. yeah, he, I went to shoot hoops with him and Brandon Beachy over at the Disney, you know, cause it, yeah. Disney had some hoops over there that connected to their, their wide world of sports. We went to go shoot hoops and I'm a decent athlete. You know, I, I think that was the last day I ever dunked in my life. And I just barely got it down after 40 tries. <laughs> Johnny walks up, he, he just throw me the ball and I'd heard he was a good athlete, but the dude yeah. just walked up to the hoop, like just kind of like a slow trot and just jumped up, wow. put the ball down by his hip and just dunked the shit out of it. And it, th- those type of things, man, when you see them, that was my favorite wow. thing about playing was just being around guys that are yeah. just different. You know, they're just special. Getting yeah. to see that on a consistent basis is cool. And Johnny was only about 6'1", maybe? 6'2". Yeah, but he, he wasn't a big guy. I mean, Johnny looked didn't look like anything when you looked at yeah. him. He looked like he lo- worked at Cabela's. And... <laughs> You know, just coming in his camo hat and just laying <laughs> yeah. low. And all of a sudden, man, you, he was he was probably the second fastest guy on the team running. He could wow, he could I, I mean he was he was an option quarterback in high school. I mean, just uh-huh. a freak athlete. And sometimes, you know, you don't see it. And sometimes you wonder, you know, if those guys did start lifting heavy weights if they'd lose some athleticism. But right. It's just cool, man. It's cool seeing that stuff out of guys that you just get to Country see these strong. special players on a baseball field, professional so athletes. Some of those guys that didn't grow up around all the facilities and Bum specialized <laughs> and all that. Country strong, man. Yep. Going back, you go back to the Mickey Mantles. They didn't grow up with all with all the high tech stuff and then no. you look at them and yeah, I mean pure it, athleticism. Definitely you throw Mickey Mantle in today's game, he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He could be all right. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll be back on uh what Tuesday. No, this is Tuesday. We'll be back on Friday Friday. after a couple of games against the Yankees and a day off. The Braves' first day off, well, other than the rain out, they have a day off in Miami. And I tell you, there's a little anxiety about day off in Miami (laughs) because nobody wants a day off in Miami because they can't go out. There's some temptation there for sure. Yes. Snip was saying he hopes that guys will have balconies so they can sit out and get some sun, you know, because he does not want guys running around, obviously. You know, they got security guys now hanging out in the lobbies to keep guys. It's different now. They've ramped it up just since because of all the trouble that some teams have gotten in. So you come back with like shopping bag of stuff, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, Miami's one of the most tempting cities to go, you <laughs> yeah. know, get a taste of. It, you know, I think they stay on the beach, though. Maybe you just right, they stay on social game. distance at the beach. I don't know. I don't know what they want to be doing, but. Yeah, there's a little bit of a little bit of a COVID nineteen down in Florida right now, South Florida, <laughs> Miami. Yeah, so it's, it's bad they, there. They got a day off Thursday, and then they'll have a series against the Marlins. So we'll talk about that. It could be the first and second place teams in the division when they it is right now. Let's see if they still are by then. And Sounds so good. plenty to talk about. And who knows, man? We might not have any football distractions this year either. Man, what a mess that is. See how that goes. But that's it. We got plenty. How it's possible without a bubble. 
I know, man. They're also, hey, by the way, do you see they're talking about MLBs talking about play, doing the playoffs in a bubble, which I think is a good idea. I think they have to because you, yeah. you can't afford to to yeah. shut down Lose the series. The I mean, it'd almost be like the yeah. team that had the outbreak would just be eliminated, and that wouldn't be uh, fair yeah. either. Exactly. Okay. That'd be really strange and look bad. You'd have to do what they were talking about doing initially, where you just go somewhere with good weather and a roof, you know, and just have everybody there and kind of yeah. do a tournament style. All right. 755 is real. We're out. <laughs>